position that you are saying. See, Father, thank you. I give you praise, God. I exalt your name. I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you, Lord, for your reliability. I thank you, Father, for always showing up, Lord. You are dependent. Father, I can count on you. Lord, when I can't even count on myself, I can count on you. I can count on the Spirit. You are a good God. There is literally no one else like you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, because of the times when I am thinking about sharing of Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, may we not be people that are ungrateful. May we not be marked mm. with um with ungratefulness, oh God. Let us not mm. be a people that are ungrateful. Let us not be people that forget, oh God. Mm. Let us not be foolish, oh God, in the way oh. that we deal with you, oh God. Father, may we never forget to give you praise, oh God, regardless of what it is we may be going through, regardless of what the signs of the times are saying, regardless of what the wisdom of man is dictating in our world today. May we never forget, oh God, the things that truly matter, oh God. May we never forget who you are, who you have been, and who you continue to be. Father, may we never forget. May we never forget, oh God. Father, may we never forget, Lord. May we never forget to give you thanks and praise. May we continually thank you by faith, oh God, regardless of the situations and the circumstances of our lives. Father, may we continue to give you thanks. Father, not just because um, it multiplies, because, you're, because when we give thanks, oh God, by faith, it causes a multiplication, just like it was seen in the time when Jesus fed the multitude. First, he gave thanks. And when he gave thanks by faith, then there was provision. He had already received it and tapped into it by reason of thanksgiving. Father, may we not just come to you to give thanks when we want bread to eat, oh God. But Father, make thanksgiving our nature. Make it our culture, oh God, Amen. by your spirit. Because it is your spirit that transforms. It is your spirit that consumes. It is your spirit that causes us to become your will and to become like Christ. And so that is why we are asking this morning, by the working of your spirit within us, oh God, that we become a people of thanksgiving, of gratitude, oh God, of appreciation, oh God, people that have perspective because it is a man with perspective that is able to know, to see and to weigh things properly and accurately, oh God. Father, may our vision not be distorted or skewed, oh God. Every time, oh God, per time and per season, by your spirit, oh God, may we never be caught saying the wrong things in your presence may we not be a people that are constantly grumbling in our hearts oh god and making false and um, vain repetitions with our words oh god in the name of jesus lord let us not be hypocrites oh god this is not to say that we do not recognize the weaknesses that may still exist in us oh god but father help us oh god by your spirit help us by your spirit to come in truth oh god and in gratitude to you every time we present ourselves before you in the name name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Yesterday I was in a prayer meeting um, that went on for hours, you know, and I remember we were going to that prayer meeting and we were thinking, okay, you know, this is the five point agenda of this prayer meeting. We're going to start by destroying some demons, you know, we're going to go on to break some altars, then we're going to, you know, we were ready, you know, we're just like, hmm, facts, enough is enough. We need to take care of some things in the spirit. And it's so interesting how the Holy Spirit just changed everything for us. He just changed the agenda for the day. And he made us, you know, first sit down because we had already blocked everything in hours, right? And we said oh, the first hour, we're going to pray for this, you know, prayer points, uh, prayer meeting, where you're going to God and you're giving him a general, you're saying, Lord, this is what, you know. Um, and so that was what, what we had planned. This is not to take away from the, the, 
the need to plan and the need to um, always have a process in place because that brings structure and that makes the work that you're doing, um, it makes it transferable. It sets a template and a guide for whoever, you know, it is that you, it just makes, it just gives structure really. But um, as much as we want to plan and we want to project and we want to strategize, we must always give room for the spirit. We must first realize that it is even the spirit that gives us the ability to plan. So if at any point he comes and he says, oh, I want to change this, I want to change that, we must always give him the liberty because he's the spirit of liberty. He thrives in liberty and he gives liberty. So we must receive that liberty to also, you know, flow with him to also go according, you know, according to his plan or according to his ways or according to whatever he wants to change or, you know, um, modify. So I remember, you know, we went and we had our, our, our agendas and our prayer points and all of that. And first, you know, the Holy Spirit started by getting us to sit down and ask ourselves, what are 10 things that we are thankful for? You know, and it's not just, it wasn't just a um, list of, okay, I'm thankful for my mother, I'm thankful for my father. It's like, you are thankful for these things and why are you thankful for them? You know, and then we started writing and writing and writing. And I remember I was even making a joke. Some of us were just throwing jobs at each other. There was one particular person that was writing and writing. And you know, one of us said, now wow, somebody will not like to sit beside you in exam hall. It's like, yeah, the kind of candidate I'll say, a teacher, please extra sheets when everybody's still trying to even get past the first question, you know? And she turned to me and, you know, we were all laughing and it was jokes, but she turned to me and she said, well, why wouldn't I give thanks to God for everything that he has brought me through? And she just started talking about, you know, different times where God has, you know, done great things for her, even the same. And it's like, the, you know, the more you give thanks, the more your eyes are open to see more and more and more and more of the workings and the goodness and the hand of God upon your life. So, you know, we spent at least two hours and we we're not just writing it like it was an exam that we were going to, that was going to be marked, but the, as we wrote, one person will break out with, you know, sharing, another person will break out with a prayer, you know, and we were just want, want to, want, you know, sharing with one another, and I could feel the presence of God just resting in that place, and I could feel the spirit of God just sitting in the room. I could feel God's pleasure. It was obvious that he was pleased with what we were doing because we just took our eyes off of ourselves and we just said, you know what, God, we're just going to somewhere. And one, one of us actually said, it's something she does very often. She does it every other day that she sits down at the end or at the beginning of the day and she asks herself, what are five things that I'm thankful for today? Thanksgiving brings perspective. When we, we take our eyes off of ourselves and we look to God, it helps us see clearly. It doesn't just help us see him, but then the, the way our God works, he, he, he then causes our gaze to, to be like his and he causes us to see things the way that he does. So it's like an alignment of sight. So we start to see him and then we start to see like him. That is why it is so important for us to give thanks. So look at Jesus with a multitude you know, um, after he had ministered to them, it was obvious that there was a need, but he did not start with a grumble. He did not start by looking at what was available. He just put, took his eyes up. He lifted his eyes up and he said, Father, I thank you. You know, rather he looked at what he, he did look at what was available and he wasn't in denial. You know, he wasn't trying to um, be a petty rascal, <laughs> as Pastor Isi would say. You know, he wasn't trying, he, he knew what the facts of 
this world were saying was that we only have five loaves and two fish, but what was it that made it enough? The presence and the hand of God. That is what makes what you have not just enough, but more than enough. He takes the little that you have or that you may not even have, and then he puts his hand upon it. Look at Peter toiling and toiling and toiling and toiling and toiling all night, and he caught nothing. But at the word and at the command of Jesus, he went again at the point where he surrendered to Jesus and he decided to look to Jesus it gave him the ability to you know to 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 throw in his net once again he was able to throw him throwing his net once again so what does seeing like God look like you know what does weighing things like God look like it doesn't just mean literally seeing things it means even acting in accordance and in alignment with the will of God because even though there was still an um, internal conflict in Peter's mind we know we all know the kind of person that Peter was you know as the Bible described him um a lot of times when I read about Peter you know I, I can totally relate with a lot of things that he did you know I can totally relate with like his character and all of that so I can imagine the internal conflict that was going on in Peter at that time you know I'm sure in his mind like this guy has come again but if you remember on the first day of the prayer call one of the things that i said was that if i get to a point where god is really you know doting on me to do something do something do something and i find that it is so hard for me the first thing that i do you know when i realize that okay this is now becoming a thing and a bone of contention and i don't want it to drag between me and god first i hear myself audibly confessing and affirming and agreeing and i say god i agree and i you know, I agree with what you're saying. And once I say it, somehow he finds a way to work it in me. So I, I believe that that was kind of like what Peter was doing at that time. He said, okay, Lord, okay, you know what? I've toiled all night. I'm not taking away from the fact that this is what the reality and the journey has been so far. But Lord, at your word, I will try again. At your word, I will launch again. You know, and I believe that that perspective of God, what it also did for Peter was it showed him the exact place to throw his nets. You know, so agreeing with God even gives you clarity. So sometimes we may be looking to, you know, to solve a problem and we are just looking at a problem we're like this thing is not working, this thing is not working, it's not making all of that, but we just need to tell. And I agree with what your word says is saying. And but it's some way God and allow it to be super circumstances of limitations that we are you just find that you just start to you start to receive insights why do you think you just start getting it's like when you're praying you're downloading revelation speaking the word of god speaking the word of god you are releasing the spirit behind the word the spirit that is creative power of god you are releasing it and you are inviting it into your life you are inviting it into the environment you are inviting it into the the and the matters of your life and then you just start it's like oh i need to call this person oh i need to do this i need to do that oh i does i need to you know as differently evaluating things differently and it's like when everything is done you're like oh god you god Thank you, God, that in um, this scripture that is uh, is um, First Kings 18, it's verse 38, that's the anchor. We even, you know, yesterday we read, I believe it was um, 25, verse 31. The Bible says, um, 
Okay, from verse 13, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which, was which had been turned down. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the Lord, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two, another version says seeds, large enough to hold two seeds. This version actually says measures of seeds. Um, and he arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood, you know, and all of that and all. Why do you think Elijah took stones of memorial? What are the stones of memorial? Thanksgiving. It's the, the places of our encounters with God. It's the places of, um, even if it's not our personal encounter, we see he took 12 stones, the 12 stones that represented the different tribes. Why? Because it was lifting up a memorial of the things that God had done in the days of old. So a testimony is a testimony. A testimony is a testimony because it is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is, the, it is, it is us attributing to God who is reminding even God of the things that he had done and reminding ourselves of the things that, and holding God to his word. And so that was why when Elijah was building this altar again, he was erecting it again, you know, um, because it had been corrupted. So he had to rearrange it. And in doing that, in building it the right way now, he had to use stones. It was the stones that he used to lay the foundation. Our found the, the foundations of our altars must be foundations of thanksgiving. Everything that we do must be rooted in thanksgiving. We cannot be ungrateful and expect to keep receiving. It's like a king, you know, or even it's it's like culture in this part of um, Nigeria. Respect respect, giving respect to elders, it is such a thing. It is a cultural thing. Anywhere you go in Nigeria, you can't run away from it. No matter how, ex, you know, how exposed you are or whatever, there are still some people that I can't even call them by name. You know, I can't just call them by their friend. And this is not to say that, you know, the Western culture is less than, but I'm just saying with the, it, it just shows us in this part of the world, how important, you know, and how um, how well received respect is. There's a way that you engage a person and they will want to do something for you. They would always want to, you know, even just check on you. They always want to care for you. They always, you know, every time you reach out to them, they want to be available for you because of the way that you respect them, because of the way that you honor them. Respect is not eye service, you know, and that's why we cannot just do lip service of Thanksgiving and be ungrateful in our hearts and expect anything to happen knowing that we're not even thanking God because of the agenda agenda that we have behind it if that makes any sense you know but we must genuinely just be thankful people and so in this part of the world you see even the way that people greet and all of that in other parts of the world it may be seen as maybe you know they say things like ah this is a slavery mentality blah 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 I believe when things are you know taken out of balance it then becomes a problem balance should always be um, balance should always be um, in view, you know, in the way that we even deal. But there's just this strong culture of respect, regardless of what tribe you're in. In fact, sometimes automatically you just find yourself maybe trying to, because it's a thing in the Yoruba culture where people kneel down to greet. And it's not because they are trying to be slaves. It's because they honor people. That is how they show it. They don't just show it in their hearts. They show it physically. So if you even live in a place like in the West that has a lot of Yoruba people, or you're living in a 
in a in a western state you will find yourself even if you're from the east or from any part of the world there will be some mannerisms that you give off when you're relating with people you would probably just unconsciously find yourself maybe sometimes just kneeling down a little bit why because respect is respect and thank this the attitude of thanksgiving it is contagious it is contagious so it must it must spread into every area of our lives and even the people that come in contact with us they must be able to touch it it must be able to reflect on them they must be able to imbibe these things because they have seen it at work in us and if you remember one of the things that we talked about um and we've been praying about is um receiving a, a new culture in christ so what god is saying to us is that it's not just in acts and in deeds and in works. It's about the culture. It's about the culture that he's trying to create in us. It's about the mindset that he's trying to shift. It's about the thought pattern that he's trying, he's, you know, he's causing to transform in this time. His message when he came was repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That repentance was not, oh, I was, I was sinning. Now, no, it's not about sin. For sin, it is salvation. But that repentance message was about changing your mind change the way you think, change the way you evaluate things, change the way you perceive things, change the way you weigh things. Thanksgiving is a sure way of changing your mind, of changing your perspective. When you start becoming a person of thanksgiving, you will start to change, I promise you. And it is a journey that I'm telling myself that I must be more conscious of now. And I'm even saying it out now so that people can even hold me accountable because I have some close friends on this call. So that the next time I call and I'm you know, going through something and maybe I'm even starting to complain, you will remind me to first sit down and give thanks. So first of all, I want us to take our books and our pens or our pencils and write, even if it's five things. If you can't write it right now, even if you can't write all five right now, Make a note and say you're going to, before the day is over, you're going to write out at least five things that you are very thankful to God for. Very thankful. And the reasons why you are thankful for these things. One of the testimonies I was sharing yesterday, you know, with the group was how God has shown up for me <laughs> financially in ways that I never expected between the time COVID started and up until now. And it just made me backtrack to like, um, would I say? up to four years prior to now, you know, and the journey that God has taken me through, the seasons of instability, the seasons of uncertainty, the seasons of trying to navigate, you know, instability, even from physical things, even trying to get a place, you know, trying to find a, a place, to um, an apartment, how I went through that journey, how I moved from one place to another and to another. And I was just looking about it, looking at it this year. I was like, for the first time this year, there were certain things I didn't need to go through. There were certain things I didn't need to struggle with because God was faithful and God was present. And, you know, it just made me bow my knees and say, Father, I thank you. So let us just like Elijah did, let us take our stones. It doesn't even necessarily have to be for only us. It can be the things that we have seen in times before. We can even relate people's testimonies to our own. Say, Father, I thank you for what you did in the life of David. Father, I thank you for what you did in the life of P.I. Father, I thank you for what you did in the life of Adiola. I thank you for what you did in the life of Vira. I thank you for what you did in the life of Chinedu. I thank you for what you have done in, you know, the testimonies that have been shared of your great and mighty works. And I thank you, Father, for what you have even done in my life. When we do that, we are setting our altars in order. 
Thanksgiving helps us set our altars in order. Let us not forget, let us not forget that this is a season where we must set our altars in order and Thanksgiving is a sure way of doing that. And Father, I just pray, oh God, that by your spirit, you will release the grace, oh God, and you will constantly sound the reminder, oh God, you will sound the alarm, oh God, in our hearts. Every time we are getting to a place of ingratitude, we're getting to a place of anger, we're getting to a place of grumbling, we're getting to a place of not appreciating you or not remembering, oh God, the things that you have done. I ask and pray that your Holy Spirit will be a reminder. He will be the voice that will help us hear and remember and see the things that you have done, oh God, that we may give you thanks. May thanksgiving become our nature. May it become our lives. May it become our our, our, our culture, oh God, in the name of Jesus. This is our prayer, oh God. We receive it, oh God, even by faith. We receive it by faith and we declare, Lord, that we are a people of thanksgiving in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, so I made some notes um, and I'm just going to trust God to um, help us go through these notes. Just a second, please. Amen. Okay. So I made some notes about uh, what we'll be sharing today. Um, with respect to the altar that Elijah was building, um, there was an order, if we look at that scripture, there was an order. There was a way he set things in place. You know, um, the other prophets, they literally, I think, okay, so let's go from verse 25 like we did yesterday. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, giving them, and they prepared it. Straight up, they took their bull, they prepared it because, you know, that's what we do. It's about the sacrifice, right? If we remember yesterday, one of the scriptures we shared talked about um, the, the sacrifice that matters to the acceptable sacrifice. It's a broken and a contrite heart. That is what is the acceptable sacrifice to God. You know, so then they were all about the slaying of bulls, you know, and all of that. So they took the bulls that were given to them and they prepared it. Then they came on the, um, then they called on the name of Baal. We saw all of that and all, and we saw how nothing happened for them. Then verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord. First, he did the repairing of the altar, which had been torn down. Then he took 12 stones, one of each of the tribes that descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he then built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold um, two sears of seed. Then he arranged the wood. Then he cut the bull into pieces and he laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. They poured it the first time, verse 34. He told them, do it again. Until do it the third time, he ordered and they did third time. Then the water ran down around the altar and filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, so there was also a time for the sacrifice. The prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, 
And then he said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and so he even first started with thanksgiving. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. So he's saying, Lord, validate your word. You know, even me, your servant, validate me, oh God, by your, by your power and your power alone. And have um, I am your servant and have done the things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back. So even the purpose behind this prayer and the purpose behind the altar and uh, the sacrifice was not so that people will say, oh, Elijah, oh my God, you are ghost. Oh my God, you know, and then people start tweeting about him and carrying him on social media and he becomes a trending topic. He wasn't doing it because uh, um, it was in it was in trend, and he wasn't doing it because he was trying to prove a point to anybody. He said, "Answer me, Lord, answer me." So these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and you are turning their hearts back to them. It was done unto salvation. It was done unto the will of the Lord. And after he made that prayer, then the fire of the Lord fell. So if we're talking about an altar of fire in this season. Before that fire comes upon the altar, there is an order, there is a precision, there is a timing, there is the place, there is the state of our hearts that needs to be prepared. There is order. Why? Because the one that we are coming before, he is the holiest of all. He is the holy one of Israel. He is Elohim. He is king of kings and lord of lords. So he's not someone that we just approach casually. There is a way that we come before him. And we see that it is not even about works. It is not just about taking up a sacrifice or just taking anything or just taking any seed. No, it is not about those things, but it is about how you are setting your life in order before you are even calling upon him, before you are even sacrificing anything. It is about the order, the manner, you know, the culture in which we live our lives, the culture, the methods, the systems, you know, um, um, the checks that we have in place for our lives. It's like the boundary lines that are marked over our soul. There is a way of a priest. There is a way that we carry ourselves. There is a way we approach him. There's a way that we come before the holy of holies. There is, a, there is an order before we bring the sacrifice, the order and the precision. There's a way that you even present the sacrifice. You know, um, the presentation of the sacrifice is truly in the state of our heart. It's the state of our hearts. And that is why that is the sacrifice that God wants. It is a broken and a contrite heart. And we understood from yesterday's call that the brokenness of the heart is not just um, admitting weaknesses or anything, but having space and room enough in your heart for God to put his seeds in you, to cause new things to erupt out of you. And that is why, you know, and when I was even reading scripture, I saw that that's why Elijah even built a trench. So he went down into the roots. He was not just quick to, okay, just take anything and just do things out of order. No, there was a, you know, he had to dig and there was a particular measurement. It's later through scripture. We see the way that even Noah built the ark. There was a particular measurement. There were dimensions that he had to follow. Our God is very meticulous. He's like a very, you know, he's, 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 he's orderly in the way that he even conducts himself. And that is why, um, um, when, when the angels are, are crying out before him, they say, holy, 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 because there is no other God like him. So holiness is not about being um, pious or it's not about being morally just or morally upright. Holiness is the state that, you know, it's the state of 
of the person that God is. It is the state of his character. It is the state of his mind. It is his nature to be holy. And if we're talking about altars that attract, you know, that, that call down the fire of God, they must be holy altars, holy and acceptable, holy, just like our Lord God is holy. You know, um, and we also see that these prophets, the prophets of Baal, they were so caught up in doing works. They were so interested in the works. Their own is okay, just bring you know, this we know that this is the template. They were so set in their ways. And that's how they dealt and they continually deal with their God. There is a manner, there's, like, there's no room for relationship. It is all just religion, doctrine, you know, um, dictation, just do it like this, do it like that. But you see, the Bible calls these things dead works. What is it that killed the works and made the works dead? It's the state of their hearts. A dead heart will bring about dead works because the things that are coming out of you are a result and a product of the thing that is happening within you. And the reason why it is called dead works is because the life-giving spirit of God is not inside the heart of the person. Therefore, it cannot release life over the things that he is doing. And that is why the Holy Spirit in this season is our best friend. He's the one that can help us. He's the one that can show us how to conduct our lives, remembering that our lives are, our lives are the altar or your life is the altar. So it is the Holy spirit that is keeping you in check and he's telling you this is the way to go don't talk you know don't speak this way don't talk don't sit that way don't dress this way don't engage that way. don't make that phone call don't go for this meeting don't get on that flight don't do this don't do that oh do this don't buy that you've spent too much money why it is about order orderliness so while some people on the other hand they just say ah oh, this person your own is too much you know there's no big deal there is a big deal because the dimensions and the measurements and the market around your life as a priest that is walking in the order of Christ is different from any other person. We must understand that our consecrations, our consecrations are different, you know, so there may be someone that just started their salvation walk with God and they are still, they still have their, you know, they, they still have a lot of processes to go through like we all do because it is an eternal work it is not a competition however there are levels that we have attained by the reason of the things we have seen the things that we have experienced the things that the spirit has revealed to us that must cause us to remember and to understand that we cannot just live our lives according to the way others do there is a dictation there is a curriculum that we must follow and it is the curriculum of holiness the curriculum of holiness Holiness is the person that God is. It is his nature. It is his personality. Why do you think literally his spirit is called the Holy Spirit? Because that is the spirit of God, the spirit of the living God, the spirit that if and when he dwells in you, he gives you life. He's a life-giving spirit that comes out of you, will have life. It will bring forth life. People that do something so effortlessly sit about this person, that's me, I cannot do. Sometimes it's like, I was going, the difference between me and that person, understand the altar in that person's heart. You don't, and the sacrifices that they have had, just the physical sacrifices, have had to put in their soul, put a knife to their hearts, and you know, how to perform such parts, how to consecrate them, to submit and surrender themselves, how to confess their sins one to another, humiliated in quotes, 
be glorified. They've had to put themselves under the pleasures of the flesh, the loss of the flesh, and the pride. You know, all the times that they've had to go into a, you know, it's like a restraining order on the person. Um, I know we've, we may know of people that are maybe certain amount of time in jail and they, maybe that the offense is not uh, too, too heavy and so them on house arrest, but based of house arrest, you are in your house, so house that money or you're paying the mortgage, you know, but you cannot go beyond because if you even try to go beyond that house, something will beep. And is that hmm, this person is we must be careful that we are not trespassing. And the only care that we can take is by aligning ourselves in and with the spirit of God. I believe this is a good place for us to pray. And let us just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, not to be at war and in conflict with you. Help me, Holy Spirit, to surrender to you because it is a surrendered life that is a holy life. Help me, Holy Spirit, to surrender my thoughts, to surrender my mind, to surrender the things, oh God, that you have given to me, to surrender my household. Help me, oh God, to surrender it to you. Let us lift up our voices and let us pray and just ask the Holy Spirit for help. Holy Spirit, help me. I don't know about you, but this morning I am crying out from my heart and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help like never before. I need your help like never before because you see, the higher you go in life and the deeper you go in the things of the spirits, the more you would need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Look at Jacob. He had attained so much. He was already blessed you know, but at the place of transition where he stayed and he wrestled and he fought, he was fighting for his true identity because regardless of it, he knew that there was still more, there was still more and he fought and fought and he ended up with a dislodgement of something in his, in his hip bone. Why? Because he had to rely on the spirit of God. That thing, it had to happen in the spirit and in the physical so that he will know that without this helper, I'm incomplete. The Holy Spirit is our helper. How many times do we engage him to help us? How many times have we tried to do things by ourselves? How many times have we said, you know what, I got this. Even if that's not what we're saying with our lips, that's the state of our minds for us to actually get to a point where we forget to call on the Holy Spirit. I believe it is rooted in pride and foolishness. And so maybe the first prayer should be Holy spirit deliver me from every form of pride and foolishness that prevents me from calling out to you for help i need your help oh god like never before i need your help at this crucial point at this crucial time in my life i need your help holy spirit help me to become holy teach me how to be holy teach me how to walk in holiness teach me holy spirit how to follow after you Shut up, 
Lord, I pray for so many times I die to the Holy Spirit. Let me not love my life, oh God, so much that I am not willing to give it up, oh God. Help me, Holy Spirit, to even carry the crosses, oh God, of my life, of the situations of my life. Help me daily to rise up and to carry the cross and to follow. Help me follow. Help me follow. Help me follow, Помоги мне, Господь, Father, следовать за Тобой, Господь, in no. Jesus' name. Amen, no. amen, amen, amen. I hope we are all still here. I hope we are awake and I hope no. that we are, you know, um, praying. Um, so the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy mm. Spirit is our helper. And he helps us to live a life of holiness. What is another thing that helps us live a life of holiness? It is the blood of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we shared yesterday was about, we share, we spoke about the blood of Jesus, what the blood of Jesus is, what the blood of Jesus represents, the power that the blood of Jesus carries, you know, and um, there was a scripture that we shared. It's in, I believe, Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. We even just started reading from verse 1. I believe we were trying to get to um, verse 24, 25. So from verse one, I'll just go over it. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant overlaid, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that bordered and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. So they went into the first tabernacle for service. But in the second went the high priest once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So that one was for atonement. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that 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 could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation so here we see again in works 
Now verse 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows or bulls, you know, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer, um, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. So all of those things were done to purify the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. At this point where we were reading the scripture, you know, it hit me and I realized that if the Bible talks about dead works, that means there are living works. There are works that give life. There are works that bring joy. There are works that bring um, liberty. There are works that are pleasing unto God. And we see here that it is the Holy Spirit that qualifies your works or disqualifies your works. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were made the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity be the death of the testator. That means Jesus Christ had to die. And after he died, what happened? His blood was shed. We'll go on verse 19. I'll move to 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to law, he took the blood of cows and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and the people saying, this is the blood of the testament which God had enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the mystery. And almost all things are by law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away by sin the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This scripture shows us the weightiness of the sacrifice of blood, you know, and it shows us that there were, there were three levels in the temple. There was the outer courts, you know, there was the holy place and there was the holy of holies, the holiest place. The, the, the priests, you know, um, could only get to second base. They couldn't get to third base with God. You know, they could only get to the place where it was enough to just sprinkle the blood. But Jesus Christ came and once, the Bible says that once he got into the presence of God, the holy of he was able to access it. Why? Because he, as God, gave up himself as a sacrifice and that is the sacrifice of better things to come and that is the blood that keeps speaking even today the blood of jesus gives us so much the blood of 
Jesus gives us access into the presence of God, the presence of the Holy One, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. So when we say we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, we must understand the gravity of those words. And when we do things without understanding, you know, it can even kill us sometimes. We cannot have access to the blood and the things that the blood even access and um, gives us access to and still be living our lives casually. We must understand that every time we are in, you know, immersed and covered by the blood, we are before the presence of God. We are before his presence, before his throne. He is seeing us just through the eyes of Christ. Is as if Christ is pretty much um, embodying us and presenting us before the Father. And so if we're talking about a life of holiness and an altar of holiness, uh, an altar that is acceptable unto God, an altar that would attract, you know, the presence of God, an altar that will release incense unto God, it must be an altar that is immersed in blood. It must be an altar that is immersed in blood. Um, the altar and the blood cannot be separated. A lot of we see it now, even in the even in the kingdom of darkness. Every time an ascension wants to happen for someone, every time someone wants to be promoted or elevated, you know, I don't know if it's if it's as um, um, if it's portrayed so much in the Western world, but in Nigeria, if you're in Nigeria, no matter what part of the world you're living in, there are certain things that, by reason of our upbringing, we have, you know, we have knowledge of. We understand the gravity and the weightiness of altars and the blood. It is, it is blood that, um, that, would I say, that qualifies an altar, that gives strength to an altar. It is blood. So in the, in, the, in the kingdom of darkness, that's why they're always calling for sacrifices. They're always, because there's something they know that the blood gives them. There must always be blood. There must always be blood before, you know, there's a, there's a blood offering. There's a sacrifice of blood before they even put money or put anything else. There must be blood. And Jesus Christ did not just come to shed his blood. He became the sacrifice for us. And so that blood of Jesus, we must be conscious of the blood of Jesus. Every time we take the blood of Jesus by faith, you know, in communion, we are doing it in remembrance. We are doing it in honor of him, in remembrance of him, meaning that everything that he has, the blood of Jesus has bought for us, every price that he has paid for us, we are reminded of it through the spirit of the living God, by the blood of Jesus. And so I'd like us to pray because our time is even almost up. I'd like us to just pray and just plead the blood of Jesus over our lives today. It is the blood of Jesus that qualifies and, and strengthens our altar. There is no strengthening or re-erecting of altars without the blood. It is the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus, that blood that was shed, that blood that still speaks, that blood that is present in the presence of God, that lamb that was slain, the acceptable sacrifice, the one that laid the template of acceptance of sacrifices, that blood, that blood is still speaking and that blood is available for us. And so Father, this morning, we just plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves and we dip ourselves in the blood. We dip ourselves in the blood. We declare that we are covered by the blood 
blood. We declare that we are covered by the blood. We declare our access into your presence, oh God, by the blood of Jesus. We come, oh God, into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. We are cleansed by the blood. We are washed by the blood. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. Our lives are covered by the blood. We are protected by the blood. We are strengthened by the blood. We are transformed by the blood of Jesus. Father, we plead the blood over our lives. We plead the blood over our environment. We plead the blood over our situations. We plead the blood over our homes. We plead the blood over our territories, oh God. Father, we do not just sprinkle, oh God, but Father, we ask for a full immersion of the blood this morning. In the name of Jesus, Father, we receive your blood. We receive that blood by faith. We thank you, Jesus, because you gave it so freely. We thank you, Jesus, because you gave your blood so freely to us. We thank you because you even gave yourself as the sacrifice. First, you broke the bread. You broke your body and you gave it to us even before you were, you were nailed on the cross. And we thank you because you offered yourself to us in love. We receive the sacrifice of the blood this morning. We honor you, Jesus, and we honor the sacrifice you made and we do not take it for granted. We give you praise and we say thank you. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice, for the blood that gives us access, not just once a year, but every time in our lives. May we be remembered May we be reminded per time and per season that we have access to the Holy One. We have access to his presence. May we never find ourselves stuck or stranded because we have ignorantly forgotten or neglected the blood of Jesus. May we be reminded constantly by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I pray over everybody on this call this morning. Father Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will lead, your spirit will guide. I pray that your spirit will help each and every mm -hmm. one of us in the name of Jesus. I pray that your spirit, your life-giving spirit will release life. Your life-giving spirit will resurrect dead things, oh God. Your life-giving spirit will create new things, my God, in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, for love, for peace, for joy, oh God, for the virtues of Christ Jesus to be seen and to be planted, Lord, in the lives of every man on this call, in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that by the strength and the working of your spirit, you would help us to dig the trenches, oh God. You will help us to pay the price that is required, oh God, in this time. We would pay the price that is required in digging, in doing the work, oh God, that you require of us. Not just to give sacrifices, not just to slay bulls, not just to give dead works, oh God, but the price that is required, oh God, to give life-giving works. Father, the work that is required to attract your presence in our lives, the work that is required to become men and women of righteousness, the work that is required to be living altars, to be living stones, my God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we receive the help and the grace of your spirit. We receive the help and the grace of your spirit. And Father, as we dig these trenches, oh God, we ask and pray that there will be room, oh God, for the seed of your spirit, the seed, oh God, of the things that you have spoken. There will be room for these seeds to be planted, to be rooted, oh God, and in due time to bring forth life in the name of Jesus. We pray over our children in this season of building, not just our earthly or physical or human children, but children 
in the things that come out of us, our expressions, our businesses, our organizations, Lord, our initiatives. We pray over each and every child that we have birthed or adopted in this time and in this season, oh God. And Father, we dip our children in the blood. We dip our children in the blood. We decree and we declare, oh God, that the trenches, oh God, the trenches, oh God, will even be dug up in their lives, that seeds of righteousness will be imputed in them, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, because we are priests after the order of Christ, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ is our template. You, Jesus, you are our template. Let the template of the holiness of God, Father, let, let teach us how to even transfer it to the things that we do, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Let the let the let the deadness of any works, Lord, let it not be the thing that stands against us in the day of judgment. Let it not be the thing that disqualifies us or takes away our validation in the spirit oh god in the name of jesus father we pray for ourselves oh god and we pray for our sons and we pray for our children and we pray oh god over our lives and father we just pray oh god that your hand will rest upon our wombs this morning your hand will rest over our physical and our spiritual wombs oh god father and the blood of jesus will make clean and make righteous everything every seed that comes into the wombs of our lives lord they will not be corrupted oh god by the workings of the darkness of this age my god but father by the holy spirit life will be transferred onto it oh god in the name of jesus just the way jesus was planted in the womb of mary and he was nurtured until he came forth as a child he was nurtured by your spirit we ask oh god that your spirit will continually breathe oh god over the seeds that you are placing in us it will not be said oh god that we went to sleep and the enemy came and distorted and so tears lord and, and so tears lord and even corrupted the work that you are doing not this time not this time we declare by the blood that enough is enough we declare by the blood that enough is enough. we mark the boundary lines around our wombs oh god we decree and declare that we are a fruitful vine and we will bring forth fruits, oh God, in season. Fruits that is that, that that will feed, oh God, that will that will that will nourish, oh God, fruits that will that will bring forth your glory, oh God, fruits that will bring forth life, oh God, to ourselves, to our children, to our generations, oh God, in the name of Jesus, fruits that will be seen as stones of memorial, as stones of testimonies in the days to come in the mighty name of jesus father we give you praise and we thank you we bless your holy name oh god thank you jesus thank you for utterance in prayer thank you father for your word that you break as bread before us and you feed us my god thank you jesus for the manner that we have received this morning we say thank you we say thank you we say thank you thank you for the nature the culture the attitude of praise and thanksgiving we thank you we give you praise we thank you oh god even for the trials oh god that's uh, that that we may even be faced with in the day, Lord, that comes. Father, we thank you because we are reminded on the rules of engagement, starting with thanksgiving and our weapons of the blood and the spirit. We give you praise. We bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. and amen. Amen.